Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. Hey, Chris. I know you are on cloud nine because your Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. I remember the time when the Kansas City Royals actually... Back when we were in the, the, the major leagues, we made it to a couple of World Series. <laughs> you hey, did. You maybe did. they should do relegation in baseball so that way the Royals, the, the teams are so bad, they can just knock them down to the minor league, make it official, and bring up one of these minor league teams out of New York. Who knows the, who could replace them? But you are living on cloud nine. Kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a it, it was definitely a weird trip after the All-Star break with the you know, the, the the Diamondbacks being back 16 games out of first place to come back and be World Series contenders is, is super awesome. And I'm a Giants fan through and through, love them. But, man, it's always electric to be with the home team, watching games. Going it is. To, going and seeing stuff, even if it's if it isn't your hometown favorites. But back when, back when the Royals were in the World Series in 2014, yeah. 2015, I told my boys, you need to watch this. This will probably not happen again. In your right. lifetime, it was a freak of miracle why the Royals were in the World Series in 2014. We last were in the World Series in 1985. And wow. so, yeah, about every 30 to 40 years, the Royals. Hey, that's that's more often than Haley's comment, I believe. So that, hey. that is more often. Well, and, you know, I'm a baseball guy and I was looking at stats all around the league. This is the um, what was it? Game seven last night is the first time the Phillies organization in 145 seasons have seen a game seven in the playoffs, which is kind of funny. Uh, the payroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks is 34.5 million. There's five players on the Phillies that make over 20 million, including Nick Castellanos, <laughs> who I love. Nick Castellanos is a great guy. Love that guy. If you're out there listening, Nick, come do the show. But he went 0 for 18 this season. There you this, go. This series. Wow. And still walks home with a $20 million paycheck. So he's not that sad. See, so the, the moral of that story is go Diamondbacks. I'm not a huge Diamondbacks <laughs> fan because I like yep. the small market teams. It gives right. us hope here in Kansas City. But the difference is there in Phoenix, you actually can afford to keep uh, those players. Um, you guys have we'll you guys have big big population there, so you should be able to pay these guys. Hey, before we get in there, let me just say yeah. uh, thank you so much for attending today. Uh, we this is brought to you by Comedian of Law. We do CLEs that educate and entertain. So if you're looking for CLEs during the CLE season, and it is coming up for many of you lawyers out there, yep. please check out our CLEs. Speaking of which, Chris, I had a um, we are going to do part two of our Harmon oh, murder good, good, good. story, but. First, I got to tell you about another story that I'm working on. This, I won't say that this is a late-breaking story, as has happened in 1859. You so, missed the mark there. A little, so little not-breaking news. I'm a, I'm a history major, so I, I, got to, I totally geeked out on this. So I went to Springfield, Illinois yesterday. Right. One day trip. Just I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, headed out, and got back last night. Uh, and it was an amazing, fun trip. So... 1859 here's what happened peachy quinn harrison and greek crafton got into a scuffle there in the uh short drugstore in pleasant plain illinois now you might be thinking joel why are you bringing this up over 150 years later i I can't do the math whatever that is uh why is it even relevant well uh so here's what happened peachy quinn harrison uh was in some 
War of Wards with with Creek Grafton. It was July 4th and said okay. something about his sister being someone, I don't know. It, it, he said some bad things about his family. And okay. so Creek Grafton did not like that, or the Greek Grafton did not like that. He said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you up next time I see you. And so there was some tension going on. This lasted about two weeks. This all culminated in the, the drugstore there in Pleasant Plain, Illinois. And, and Peachy was there. By the way, amazing nickname, Peachy in Illinois. And right. so Greek yeah. Crafton comes into this drugstore. His brother was already there. And mind you, that for two weeks, they've been looking for Peachy. They see him at the drugstore. They pull him from the counter. Peachy is holding on as hard as he can. They ripped him from the counter. And then Peachy brings out a knife that he All had right. been carrying just for this moment because he knew that they were trying to attack him. So he pulls out his knife, slashes the Greek Crafton, Crossed the abdomen, also stabbed his brother, John Crafton. All right. And so then as the, the report came out, part of his intestines came out of his stomach. There was a doctor's office just down the street there. They took him to the doctor's office. Two days later, the Greek died. And so they bring murder charges against Peachy for killing uh, the Greek Crafton. All right. So you might still be thinking, Joel, why are you telling us this story? Well, nope. the lawyer for uh, Peachy Quinn Harrison was none other than Abraham Lincoln. I Here assume you've heard of Abraham Lincoln? A uh, little known name around these parts. Yeah, 1859. This, by the way, was his last murder trial. So he was soon okay. after this, he got word that he was going to be the Republican nominee for the presidential election. And so this was, he was already kind of thinking those thoughts here when he agreed to take this case. But this was Abraham Lincoln's last murder trial. And so just recently, like within the last 20 years, the transcript for this trial came to light uh, because the court reporter had put it in his house and his ancestors were going through the house and found this original wow. transcript from. So we know exactly That's what cool. questions Abraham Lincoln asked. We, we know uh, how the case went on. And so it's a fascinating historical thing. So I, I, I drive up there because I want to read the transcript. I want to you know see the scene and things like that. So I go to his library, I go to his museum, and I'm asking around saying, where did this murder take place? Well, it's in, it's in Pleasant Plains, it's about 20 miles away. All right, so I, I put in my GPS, I go to Pleasant Plains. As I'm entering Pleasant Plains, I see a sign that says, Pleasant Plains, population 800 people. Not a big town. Very, a, very, not, nope, nope. very small town. And so small town. there are no historical markers. Now there was one historical marker that said a historical marker left. So I, I, I take a left thinking this, this might be something. It was the cemetery where, um, was a uh, Reverend Cartwright was buried. You might be asking who was Reverend Cartwright. He yeah. was the Billy Graham of his day. Even though he's from a very small town, he was nationally known, nationally beloved. He was the preacher of the day, and he was the Billy Graham. Again, na okay. National following right there from that very, very small town. So his right. he was buried there. So I, I just kind of went, went that direction. And I saw some really old buildings. I thought, well, these look like they could have been around in 1850. They're, they are a... Um, uh, they're kind of beaten down a little bit here. I think one was a, a, a food bank kind of a place. Uh, the other ones were just kind of shuttered down. And so I thought, well, this is on Main Street. But still, there's no sign that's where the actual murder took place. All so right. I'm driving around this very, very small town, which, as you can imagine, took about 
two minutes. I mean, it didn't take long to drive around town. I found the granary, which was a bar and grill. I thought, well, it's lunchtime. I got to go eat some lunch. So I go into the granary and it's actually packed with a bunch of people there sitting at the the, the counter and there are some some tables there as well. It was about as as, as small town as you can get. So I looked at the menu, the special for the day. I kid you not. Do you want to just guess what was on special at this small, out of the way town, uh, this little bar and grill? Just, just take one guess. I'm gonna say a Greek salad. <laughs> Interesting. That would have been uh, very ironic. No, uh, chicken fried steak. No, okay. my dad told me Shocking. every place Shocking. like that has its own chicken fried steak recipe. Yes, you got to try it out. Absolutely. And so I remember my dad's words. I saw the chicken fried steak special and said, I want today's special. Right. By the way, great chicken fried steak. If you're ever in Pleasant Plains, which you won't be, <laughs> check out the granary. Great people. So I asked my waitress, I said, hey, do you know the history of this place? Is there someone I can talk to about the history of this place? Mm-hmm. I guess, Chris, I kind of felt like I was just some kind of sleuth, just doing some investigation. Yeah. I'm on the scene. Just at, hey, do you happen to know anyone who knows someone about this murder? She said, oh, yeah, the owner is right here. I, I think she un- misunderstood me. She didn't really understand. I didn't mean the history of the, the granary, but whatever. The owner comes out and starts talking to me. And I, so I said, I love small town like that. Exactly. So I say, I'm trying to find some information out about this murder that took place back in 1859. Do you know anything about it? No. Uh, I said, um, but I'm trying to find where the actual location was. Do you, do you know where this murder took place? He said, hold on one second. He goes to the back hallway, comes back out, takes his picture off the wall. It was a picture of Pleasant Plains. And it looked like it was an old picture. Okay. And it showed how can- the... The city was laid out. Again, not a big city, very small city. So, I mean, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, these old maps yeah. there with the, the cities and the, and some of the names oh, of the streets were the same. Like Main Street was still Main Street on the Always. map and in the city. And Always. so we turned the, we took the map out of the frame, turned it over. It said it was published in 1891. Okay. Right there, I'm digging this, right? We're getting right? closer. We're getting yeah. closer. So we're, this is pretty close to the, the time when yeah. Lincoln was there. And by the way, he did not buy this in Pleasant Plains. His brother saw it in some flea market in another part of the country. And oh. knew it was from Pleasant Plains and said, hey, my brother has a restaurant there. I'm going to buy it for him. So that's how he, got, he takes it off the wall. It's, the back of it is dated 1891. And I yeah. look at it and I see there on Main Street, it said drugstore. Boom, I found it. So I go right, over go. down, back let's down Main Street, and sure enough, the original um, buildings that I saw that I thought might have been the place actually was the place. And the doctor's pl- office was just down the block on the right, and that Whoa. building was still there as well. So I could see where the murder happened. I see where they took the body. So then I decided, you know, I'm going to go to the cemetery and see where Reverend Cartwright is buried. See, maybe if I can learn something there. So it's just, again, down the street, down the block. It's not a big town. I go to the cemetery and there's another car there at the cemetery. So there actually are signs that says, hey, Reverend Cartwright's burial spot is this way. So I took a left there, took another left. And I'm down this one road, little dirt road there where there's no way to pass a car. And there's a car in front of me. So I get out of my car and there's Reverend Cartwright's gravesite, and I see these two ladies and I just ask them, hey, are, are you local? Because I was, I, they might've known something about where yeah, these yeah, other yeah. gravesites were. And he says, no, we are not from here. We're from Springfield, 
But one of our ancestors is buried here. And so we thought we'd come and look at it. I said, oh, who's your ancestor? Reverend Cartwright. Oh. Here's where the story gets kind of fun. Reverend Cartwright's grandson. Are you you ready for this? Following. Was Peachy Quinn Harrison, the defendant. His grandson. I am meeting these people here who are the related to the defendant in this case. This is some like Illuminati, like uh, national treasure things going on here, Joel. Oh, I was stoked, man. I was so excited. And I kid you not, as I'm leaving this town, there on the in, in the driveway of one of these houses was the uh-huh. mystery machine. I kid you not. <laughs> you know the mystery machine is, don't you? Yes, I do. I From Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. I, look. I felt like I was a detective. I was, no, a sleuth. You, I was you, on the scene. You're definitely a Fred. Like you're definitely Fred uh, of that organization. You're that's you right there. That should be your Halloween costume this year. You should go as Fred. There you and go. Start sleuthing out some of these crimes in other places. So Let I was there. I took all kinds of pictures. I, I saw the transcripts, and so we were going to do that. Uh, that true crimes of CLE here this weekend and throughout the season. And so I'm I'm stoked about that. Saw a lot of cool stuff, and I have found my calling. And by the way, if you didn't catch the moral of that story. If you were ever in a small town and you uh-huh. can order the chicken fried steak, there it is. Screw the calories, do it. It'll do be it. worth your your time. It's gonna be chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. All right. Hey, let's move it on here to uh, finish up last week's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Harmon murder. Pins and needles here. Do, man. do you remember that story? Let me let me do a little bit of a recap here. I yeah. found some more information out about this story this week. But what happened here was. Mark Harmon was a bank president, and he was married to Melinda Harmon in Olathe, Kansas, and they were about both 25 years of age, that kind of thing. Melinda Harmon worked for the Nazarene College, and so she— Wait, wait, wait. He was a bank president at 25? Vice vice president. I'm sorry, vice president. Like, man, I'm seriously born at the wrong time. That's right. No, uh, and so uh, uh, she was a, a secretary to the Dean of, of Student Affairs there at Mid-American right. Nazarene. And yeah, so yeah. she met this person named Mark Mangelsdorf. And so she introduced Mark to her husband, and they immediately became best friends. They played racquetball together. They, they hung out together. And so, uh, as you, of course, know from last week's story, she woke up in the middle of the night on... Uh, February 28th, 1982, mm-hmm. her husband was bludgeoned to death. And she made a quick statement to the police about how there were two people who were in her bedroom. Uh, she could hear David gurgling. One of them r- took her by the hair, drug her down the stairs, and demanded where the bank keys were. She showed them. And so they knocked her unconscious. And then they took off uh, and left. Yeah. Her husband was dead. All right. So mm-hmm. here's what happened a- after that. So she gave that statement to the police. And then a couple days later, the police thought this didn't make a lot of sense. And for Chris, a lot of reasons this story did not make a lot of sense. First of all, your husband is being bludgeoned to death and you're just laying there in bed. I've seen the crime scene photographs. The blood splatter would have been all over her and there would have been a spot in the bed that had no blood, right? Maybe. Kind of makes sense. Uh, if you're going to bludgeon someone, you're laying right there. Right. So th- it just didn't make a lot of sense. And so right, right. the investigators had some more questions, and so they wanted to go interview her. And on March 2nd, just a few days later, they go to interview her about this. Now, mm-hmm. here's some things I learned. They were already holding the funeral. Why? 
were they holding the funeral? So I talked to this historian just yesterday about this case, and they said that David Harmon's parents were coming in from New York. They only arrived a few hours before the funeral. They didn't even coordinate with the parents this funeral. They wanted to bury David and get Melinda out of town as fast as possible. Fair. Okay. That's that's sketchy right there, right? That, that something about that is is not, is not right. Not a crime, but weird and points to things. Yes. And so the cops come and they want to interview her. So they come and interview her and she basically, they, they, the dad runs this whole show and says, Hey, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're not going to talk to her unless, unless I am present. And so they are there in uh, the, in the police station and, and the, the issues brought up, well, is she a suspect? She says, yeah, I'm a suspect. Like everyone's a suspect. And they said, no, no, you really are a suspect. We are looking at you lady. And so the dad said, well, then she needs an attorney. We are stopping this interview right now until she gets an attorney. They get up and they leave the room. Yeah, yeah. As I pointed out last week, here is the critical thing. Who asked for the attorney? Did she ask for the attorney? She actually waived her right to an attorney. Did yeah. the dad ask for the attorney? Well, clearly he did, but then did she say, oh, yes, I want one? Uh, she mm -hmm. did get up and leave. So is the act of getting up and leaving in her way of saying, I am also claiming my right to an attorney because that can't be done by the dad in this situation. And what year was this again? 1982? 1982. Right. So I know there's case law later in 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 our time where you have to affirmatively assert your rights right you have to say that i want an attorney or yes i want to remain silent in some um, affirmative way you need to claim the right to remain silent chris could you not make the argument her getting up and leaving in that scene an affirmative way of saying i want my right to an attorney that's not just simply sitting there. I know what Keisha's talking right. about, the slide in this case, where a guy right. just kind of stayed there and, and just kind of hemmed and hawed. And they use yeah. that silence as, as, as a guilty look. Well, he didn't do anything. He just stayed there. Here, she did something. She got yeah. up and left the, left. Um, the room. And then she went and hired an attorney. And a, an attorney See, represented her means, in this case. I think that says, I want an attorney. When you leave the room and go get an attorney, that says I want an attorney. If you leave the room, I think that says I want to be silent or I need a break. Right. Like That is an but, affirmative action yeah. on her part saying, yes, I'm claiming my right to an attorney. I know my daddy said it. And also, here's the other thing. We don't know what she said because even though this was being recorded, that recording recorded. has been destroyed. It's been lost. Whatever. Shocking. It actually does Shocking. not exist anymore. Hold on. Pause for shock. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh. So now... Fast forward 20 years in mm -hmm. 2001, they show up in uh, so two police officers from Olathe, two detectives show up in, uh, in this Ohio town and they want to ask her about what was going on. Well, about, about what happened. Yeah. This conversation is somewhat sketchy. We, they intentionally decided not to record it. Why did they not record it? I think the answer is pretty obvious. They, they did not want what was going to be said to right. be recorded so other people can can pick it apart because a huge issue here is going to be why are you going to her without going right. through her attorney? I mean, right. she, she, she had an attorney. Right. Even though it's been 20 years, I don't think there is a time limit that says, hey, no. after you've waited two years now, now they're fair game again. Right. No, she already somehow claimed a right to an attorney. Why are you talking to her at all? 
That's a fair question. I totally fair question. Um, I think the way around this, and I could be wrong, is you re-Mirandize her and then ask her, do you want to speak with us? Do you want to speak with an attorney? And you have to record this, right? That would not work because once you claim the right to an attorney, you can't then contact that person but through going through their attorney. I don't care how they recorded it, things like that. In my opinion, that's problematic. But you're right. Maybe they could just be at the front door and she could say, oh, yes, I want to talk to you. Come right on in. I want to clear. Thank you for finally showing up. We don't know what was said here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hard part, right? That's the hard part. And she maintains that there were some threats that went on. In other words, hey, if you don't yeah. talk to us, we're going to go to all of your neighbors. Do your neighbors know about your past? We are going right. to go to your kid's school. Do they know about what their mother did? Right. And so there were some threats there that if you don't talk to us, we are going to um, uh, spill yeah. your secret, your dirty little secret to all of your neighbors. And so, Strong again, this was not recorded. They said it was not recorded because they wanted her to feel more free to talk. And if a recorder was there, that might cause her to not want to talk. I'm going right. to call BS on that. I think mm-hmm. the reason why they did not want to record it, they did not want evidence of what they were going to do to convince her to talk. All right. She did talk. And then she, they say, hey, can you come down to the police station and we'll record this so we can get your statement on recording. And so she agreed to do that. Uh, all right. Her statement changed quite a bit. Now it wasn't two people. It was one person. And by the way, that one person could have been Mark Mangelsdorf. Maybe. The police officer was going, what the heck just happened here? She totally changed her story. You you don't change your story like that. And so they then go back to Olathe and they think about this and they realize, you know what? Maybe we should let's bring charges. It took them a couple of years to come to that decision, but they decided to go ahead and bring murder charges against her. Now, Chris, while this is going on, by the way, I have also found out they have been doing mock trials this entire time. So the DA of Olathe at that time, back in the 1980s, actually did several mock trials. It was Dennis Moore, could not score conviction. Based upon what she said, based upon the evidence that they were able to gather, they cannot score a conviction from a jury there in Olathe. So that's why they never brought charges. And then it took them two years here and... They got some different results from their mock juries. Some would convict, some would not. That's why they hemmed and hawed for another two years. Right. By the way, they also went to Mark's house. He lived in Plano, Texas. And Mark said, get off my lawn. I'm not going to talk to you. So he did uh, maintain his right to remain silent. And he never uttered a word. That's going to be important here and how this plays out. It goes to trial. In Olathe in 2004, my dad actually attended that trial. He was very fascinated to see what was going to go oh. on with this uh, this scene here. And, and so at trial, they laid their case out. They convicted her of first-degree murder based upon her change of story. Okie dokie. Is that a weak case? Is that a strong Always. case? She she obviously made the case of, hey, we should you should suppress my testimony. My, my, right. my contradictory statement that you took after I had already, uh, mm-hmm. you know, said I want an attorney and the judge ruled against her on that says, no, that statement yeah. was voluntary. That confession was voluntary. Chris, that's a, that's a tough issue. I am not sure that that would have held up on appeal, but I could see how she would be very worried about that. Uh, yeah, because there worried. was, there has been a conviction. Now she is facing the rest of her life in jail. Right. That's a okay. scary thought, man. So here's what they did. And Chris, this is where their brilliant legal strategy 
is going to be is going to come forward, or maybe it's police brutality, uh, prosecutorial um, misconduct. You decide. The, the prosecution then went to her and said, look, we have the conviction now. We have you in jail for the rest of your life. Do you ever want to see the light of day again? Do you ever want freedom? Here you is your, your ticket out. Things like you that. You rat out Mark. You say Mark did this. You give us testimony. You were in on this. And this was a conspiracy from the very beginning. And you know what? You will we'll bring this down to second degree murder. And uh, we'll say you were eligible for parole in five years. Chris, let me just ask you if you can put yourself in that situation. You have been convicted of a, a first degree murder. You are going to spend the rest of your life behind bars. Mm -hmm. Now you get an offer from a prosecutor saying, hey, you know what? If you want to just tell us this story that you were in on this with Mark from the very beginning so we can go after Mark, then you know what? You can be free possibly in five years, but at the worst case scenario, 10 years. By the way. What, what, what would you do? It incentivizes me to lie. Doesn't it? It absolutely incentivizes. Can you think of a more incentive to lie than, hey, I mean, maybe I guess the death penalty were on the table, which it weren't, but the rest of your life in jail, if, and plus she kind of thought Mark was behind this anyways. So, yeah. Still she, incentivizes she, me to lie. She took the deal. And, of course uh, she did. Yes. I and, would too. And you would too. And everybody would too. If you thought that Mark was behind this. So Even you know, I, I, I wouldn't rat out a guilty person or an innocent I, person. I wouldn't do that. But if he was behind this, of course you're gonna I, rat him out. I don't. I don't know. I I would honestly say that I I don't think I would trust very many people to not rat on an innocent person. You're telling me right now that I can go home in five to ten years, see my kids, have a normal ish life. Or I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail and you want me to rat out some dude that I knew from 20 years ago? It's it's a sad state of the world that we're in, but I don't know a lot of people that would say, I'm innocent, they're innocent, I'm not doing that. Well, I would for themselves for nowadays. Well, I get 100% with what you're saying. I do think in myself, I would not rat out an innocent right. person, but right. if I thought that person was guilty, heck yeah, I'm going to rat mm -hmm. that person out. Why, why wouldn't I? Guilty so, of something. So she took the deal. And then they used yeah. that to say, hey, Mark, now you need to take a deal because we have her testimony against you. You're going to be convicted easily uh, in court. So he took the same deal. Second degree murder. Also would be open, uh, eligible for parole after five years. Uh, and um, uh, and then they both wonder, ended up spending nine years in jail. I wonder if part of her, her deal, her second degree murder deal, was to waive appeals. Yes. Because, yeah. So now, now... Nobody has to worry about them throwing out her obviously illegally obtained uh, yes, statements correct. because she waived her right to appeals. Let's yes. go ahead and play on the ignorance of the people, the uh, appellate system as well. Great. Right. And I, I and I so here's the issue. I, was, I just talked with a historian this week. And he said, well, clearly she's guilty. We thought maybe she wasn't guilty. Her family members mm -hmm. thought maybe she wasn't guilty. But clearly. no, we, we she, she confessed. And I'm going to hold on. I'm not sure you can use that confession as proof that she is guilty. Because after me, after I reviewed all of the evidence here, I thought my conclusion was 
Mark did this uh, because right. he wanted to be with her. It was a very, very bloody murder scene. I and mean, we're yeah. talking a crowbar was used to bash Ooh. in her husband. I can't imagine that That's she passion. would be behind that. So yeah, let's right. plan it out that way. That sounds great. No, I That's think what amazing. more likely happened is, or, or could have happened, is that Mark wanted to be with her. By the way, they did not have sex. She said they did not have sex. They had an intimate relationship. It did not include sex. So you can see how that might have led to his okay, frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. so also there was some evidence that maybe he was a drug uh, dealer at that time. I also heard from another witness this week that his brother might have been involved with some steroids and had some rage yeah. going on. So there are, the issue of drugs has been surrounding Mengelsdorf's name. And so maybe he did this thinking that I want to be with her. And so she then saw this. He's go, okay, well, um, uh, Mark did this. I kind of think it was Mark. He's wearing a mask, but I, I'm pretty sure that was Mark. You yeah. know what? Okay, I'm going to, I have feelings for Mark. I'm going to cover for him. So did she come up with that story after the fact to cover for the fact that her lover bashed in her husband? Maybe, maybe no, maybe it's, Probably speculation. I mean, a crowbar in close range is a very personal murder, right? It is a very, very, very personal murder. It's up there with like strangulation um, or or uh, asphyxiation, like that. It, boy, howdy! I don't know. Like, all right. So here's my question for you: Was justice done, or was this no. another case of prosecutorial trickery? Both, right? It's both, Mark likely likely killed him but we're not going to have an actual true case against him because of prosecutorial misconduct right if if you the the point of in my opinion for years defense attorneys are if the cops do their job and the prosecutors do their job the defense attorney is essentially useless because the cops have prepared and or the police officers law enforcement could be cops could be dea agents whatever they have observed everyone's rights and they've respected everyone's rights and they've collected all the evidence as per the law allows the prosecutors have taken that evidence weighed it been able to come up with a cohesive story and uh, again respected everyone's rights and be able to then articulate that to a jury of their peers to receive a conviction if they do those things the defense attorneys just sitting there trying to poke holes and they can't Okay. And so and so when you do stuff like this where you skirt and you sidestep and you know you you wait, you know, you go and approach her 20 years even though you know she still has a lawyer, these are not observing people's rights. These are these are not How do we process that? Cuz here's a part of me that I think I lawyers are kind of weird people. As right. I'm going over this story, in my mind, I am thinking, no, don't do this. Don't talk, uh, Melinda. Don't, don't talk to them don't because yeah. you, need, you have a fifth member right to silence. But, Chris, if she did it, why was I hoping she would get off? Shouldn't I have been behind this trickery that caused her to then spill her beans as to what actually took place? Because this, her spilling the beans did result in Mark being convicted. But did she spill the beans or did she just say what the prosecutor wanted to hear? Well, I think in that situation, I think it's fair to say she said what she really believed. Because why wouldn't she have stuck to her original story? If her original story was two intruders came in, you know, and did this in one of the bank keys, mm -hmm. why wasn't that her story 20 years later? Why was it now? Oh, no, it was just one. The bank keys didn't even play a part of it. And yeah, I think it was Mark. 
time is the enemy of memory. Um, she wants to get out of it. She doesn't want to have uh, a murder conviction on her jacket. A lot of like eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable for this specific reason. That Good stories point. change. I mean, people marinate on the stories. They they go out and they 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 look at different facts. I think that, and it's the defense attorney in me. But man, this is shoddy. This this is what makes our justice system unjust, because you you didn't you didn't have enough evidence, and rather than pounding pavement and getting enough evidence, you shortcutted it. Speaking of an unjust legal system, now let's transition go. to our next story. Also this, this week, spot. in fact, yesterday, Jenna Ellis pled guilty in the Georgia RICO case. If you're not following mm -hmm. uh, the many, many different indictments involving one Donald Trump, this is the one in Fulton County, Georgia, where the prosecutor brought, I think, RICO charges against 18 or 19 different defendants, and one of them was Donald Trump. As I have said in my earlier podcast, this is a baseless, baseless claim. This, there is no criminal conspiracy here. They were pursuing a, a, a legal outcome, which yeah. was a Hail Mary of a legal outcome, but they wanted Donald uh, mm -hmm. Mike Pence to not certify one state of electors, but to certify another slate of electors. This has been, mm -hmm. this approach has been tried many times in the past. No criminal charges have been brought. This is just, mm -hmm. and they had a, they had an argument. Their argument was that um, the, the state legislatures were not involved in changing the election laws and the current administration, uh, you, you know, the, the, the lies that were told on social media led to an unfair election. And so we believe that because of that, this is a, this should be the right state of electors. Again, hail Mary of a pass. I get that. My position is my take is that's not a criminal action. That is a court saying that's, I see that legal argument being made and we are going to reject it. By the way, for the mm -hmm. record, Mike Pence also rejected that effort and says, no, I'm not going to approve that slate of electors. I'm going to approve the other slate of electors, which is his duty as the vice president of the United States. Okay, so that, that's, that's the case we're talking about here. Jenna Ellis pled guilty. I believe she is now the third defendant to plead guilty in this case. And so, Chris, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if she were convicted on the RICO charge, I believe they were seeking many, multiple, multiple of years behind bars for this yep. felony. And it would cost her a lot of money to defend herself. Mm -hmm. She pled guilty, and she's 38 years old, to a felony of, and I'm not even sure what she pled guilty to because the, the news reports are not clear. What I did read was it was none of the charges that she was in, none of the indictments that she was charged with. Yep. It was just simply somehow being untruthful. And, and so... Uh, that's mm, it's accomplice liability. She pled guilty to being an accomplice to a fraudulent statement that was used in the RICO Act. So, okay. it, yes, she made she she didn't actually make the fraudulent statement. She was there when the fraudulent statement was made, and she didn't correct the statement. So she pled to a comp to being to aiding and abetting, which is a crime when you aid and abet a crime. Um, whether you believe this is a crime or not, they're all being charged under crimes. Um, so she pled to being a accomplice to a crime. 
So she pled to $5,000 in restitution, 100 hours of community service, writing an apology letter to the people of Georgia, and to testify truthfully in in trials related to this case. And so uh, basically, Chris, here's the other angle. If I were in Jenna Ellis's shoes, uh, and I I don't wear women's shoes, but whatever, um, you you know what I'm saying here. Yeah. And so oh. if I was facing multiple years, the, the, basically the rest of my life in jail, of my working life in jail, yeah, essentially, and I had to pay out a million dollars, which I don't have to defend yep. myself in that case, mm-hmm. or, or a slap on the wrist and I can go my merry way. And all I got to do is testify truthfully. Well, I would testify truthfully anyways. And so why wouldn't I take this deal? She took this deal and now she can move on with her life. And so, Chris, I don't know if this is is a good plea for the prosecution as far as they actually have a, a criminal here who pled to a criminal act or if they just over-threatened her, forced her to take the plea, and now they can say, hey, we got another uh, you know, conviction out of this. And so this shows you what we're – this sh- proves that what we have been doing has been right all along. Any thoughts on this? Oh, I have lots of thoughts, Joel. You know we have lots of thoughts here. Uh, the interesting one for me is testify truthfully, right? So I think that the Georgia prosecutor is picking off the low-hanging fruit one by one, knowing that these are people that aren't going to want to go the full round with the Georgia prosecutor. They're going to want to get out early and go on with their life, If you, as you so eloquently pointed out. Now, all, of, all four of these people have a clause that they have to testify truthfully at the trial if any of the 18 defendants go to trial. Now, Joel, we are betting men. We bet every week on this podcast. What is the over-under on Donald Trump taking a plea deal in these RICO actions? Zero. Zero. What there is, is the- no shot in that he right. takes a plea deal. So we have 100% likely that Donald Trump is going to go to trial on these RICO charges. Yes. So now, as the DA slowly picks off these people that Donald Trump is trying to character assassinate in the media, right? He, he is distancing himself from every single one of these people in various truth social statements, media statements, the whole nine yards. Um, and these people now have a clause that they have to testify truthfully at trial if there is a trial. How many of these 18 are going to come back and testify and say Donald Trump is a criminal and that he perpetuated a fraud on the nation and he should go to jail for the rest of his life? Let me let me unpack what I think is going to happen with these people's testimony. This is how I, I view this case. Mm-hmm. If I were the prosecutor and I'm making this RICO case, there are a yeah. lot of problems with it. One of the problems is going to be, hey, the lawyers might have had this theory, but did Donald Trump understand the theory? <clears throat> Right now, my take is that your, your theory is wrong because the theory is not criminal, but let's just take the DA's perspective that this theory is criminal, right? Did lawyers came up with it or whatever, but did they, did the, the client, did Donald Trump understand it? Now I think what these people are going to say is, yes, you don't have to worry about that aspect of it. Donald Trump understood. In fact, maybe he even came up with it, but he clearly understood what we were doing here. So they, the, the DA here has been able to get past that hurdle of was it just simply lawyers making an argument that the client was blissfully unaware of, or was the client in on the legal strategy? Again, my take is the legal strategy is not criminal, but 
at least now that allows for that argument to be front and center and not the argument of Donald Trump didn't know about what his lawyers were doing. But you could put that forward. Again, we got to remember the defendant that we got, right? Do you think Donald Trump is going to allow anyone else to take credit for his ideas? And here's the problem, right? The problem is, is the truth is probably somewhere in between, right? The truth is probably, did he commit high crimes and treason? Probably not. Did his overt actions create an illegal act or a fraudulent misrepresentation? Maybe, probably, but is it a RICO? Maybe not. The truth is somewhere here in the middle, and we're never going to get to it because we have a political DA. We have Donald Trump that's never going to shut his mouth up. We have people that are abandoning him, not even abandoning him. I think you hit it on the head when we were talking earlier. Donald Trump is kicking these people off of his ship, and so they're taking any lifeboat that's out there, right? right. Donald Trump isn't paying for their lawyers. He He's not going to be able to pardon them when if he gets back into office, right? So as Donald Trump is voting people off Survivor Island with him, they're taking any lifeboats, which is plea deals with the Georgia DA, which is great for the Georgia DA because now they're going to be able to have these people come back and go, no, 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 you were in the inner circle. This is what Donald Trump said. Now and what? So whether or not he's guilty or not, it's going to be his – I mean, fish get caught by the mouth. I have said it more than one occasion on this podcast. Fish what, get caught by the mouth. What Jenna Ellis did uh, did say, which I, I, I agree with, she said, what I did not do but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. And and I, think, I believe that's accurate. I believe that I, when right. I remember watching the press conferences, because I, I know Jenna, uh, and so mm-hmm. I've, I've appeared on her podcast, and – I she didn't say anything. She just stood in the background while the other lawyers took the limelight. And so she said, look, what I did not do, but I should have done, I shouldn't have taken their word for it. I should have researched this myself. Now, what were the facts that are in dispute here? Well, that also has been brought uh, again to the public's attention. Prosecutor Daisha Young uh, said in court that, um, that uh, Ellis attended a December 2020 meeting of Georgia state senators with Trump attorney and former New York mayor, mayor Rudy Giuliani. And in there, Ellis intentionally aided and abetted the other two as they made false statements to the law, the lawmakers, including that more than 2,500 people convicted of felonies, more than 66,000 people who were under 18 and more than 10,000 dead people voted in the 2020 election in Georgia. So yeah, that's the statement that's that's not true. That the, if people have looked into this. Fox News has looked into this. That did not happen. If that did happen, Fox News would be running that as their lead story every single yes. night. But of course it would. They, they have no proof of that. And, and so the, the the main lawyers were trumpeting that and saying that to the legislators. Is that a criminal act to lie about those things? That's going to be the issue that those, I think the yeah. Supreme Court is eventually going to take up uh, again. But I don't want to gloss over this fact either, Chris. This might, be, might get me in trouble with my conservative listeners. But let's not gloss over the fact that's a whopper of a lie. Yes, I am saying that that should not be criminal. And they should not be. This is a, a criminal prosecution. Two things can be true at the same time. You know, Dave Shapiro, uh-huh. ben Shapiro says that all the time. That um, it's true that that's not a crime. But it's also a lie. 
do we really want as the the Republican nominee to be the U.S. president, someone who sanctioned that kind of lies, out and out lies? I just came back from Springfield, Illinois, where I was inspired by the story of Abraham Lincoln. No. Can we get an Abe Lincoln, please? Well, and I mean, this ties into the national discussion of politics in general, right? Like, you know, we, we had the Democrat that took a bunch of bribes that we're going to have to kick out. You've got George Santos, who's, who stole a bunch of money. Like, they're... And I remember being a kid, and I was a kid in the 1980s. I remember the Dukakis Reagan debates, yes. where my where my mom was like, Bush. both Dukakis of these guys Bush. are, or Dukakis Bush, where my mom was both. My mom was like, both of these guys are criminals, and they don't belong in office. And I just thought that was like a cynic, cynical adult thing. Like, you just think the president's a criminal, and and now you know, I guess I'm that cynical adult where I'm like, ever since Barack Obama, I'm like, could we get a good candidate? Could could we? Could we, could we, like, I didn't think that, you know, it, and in my lifetime, it was George Bush versus, in my voting lifetime, it was George Bush versus Al Gore. I didn't think either of those guys were criminals. It was George Bush and John Kerry. I didn't think either of those guys were criminals. It was Barack Obama and John McCain. Again, not criminals. Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, not criminals. And then it was Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in my streak ends at that point. <laughs> And I, two on that one uh right, but yeah right yeah. And, and that's been the last eight eight years right that's been the last eight years of our life chris you cannot have done a better segue to our next topic yeah. and that is mark this podcast right here i'm going to announce the candidacy of one mike johnson for the 2032 presidential election i hope, right. I, hope I, I did that math right so mike johnson who is mike johnson by the way chris thank you so much for that great segue it's almost like we planned this i wish we had but i actually wish we had that being said talking about good candidates i think mike johnson is a good candidate that's why i predict he will be approved by the um um, by the, the House of Representatives, House. the Republican caucus, as the next Speaker of the House. I, I've known Mike now for over 20 years. We were both lawyers together uh, for the same firm. Uh, we were hired about the same time. And so I've, I got to know Mike over the last 20 years. And yeah. we knew from the very beginning he had presidential aspirations. We said, yeah, that guy is going to be the next. Uh, he's going to be a president of the United States. Now, yep. I will say... Uh, He's not exactly well, Chris. Let me put it this way: in the Lincoln and Douglas debates, as far as okay. stature is concerned, yep. he'd be closer to the Douglas side of the um, the height chart than the Lincoln side. He's a short dude. That being said, TV can work miracles with angles now, so that, that's uh, that's less Cruise. of a deal. Look at Tom Cruise. Exactly, he, he played six foot tall Jack Reacher. Let's go. Yeah. So, but but he's an amazing speaker. I think he's going to get approved to be the next speaker because he is um. He's a little bit like Lincoln in that he is, he's a lawyer who knows how to, to rally people and to generate, you know, groundswell support for his cause. Yeah, just like Lincoln, his cause might be alienating to some, like Lincoln wanted to get rid of slavery. He found a way to pursue his position, his speech, to arouse support for that cause. And I think Mike Johnson is very similar. I think, just mark my words right here, he will be elected as the next Speaker of the House. And then deal. sometime, depending on how this next election occurs, he will be, he'll run for the President of the United States. I think that's, I think that's possible. I, I believe the Republicans are in the middle of eating their own. 
So maybe Mike is a little too level-headed to be Speaker of the House right now, but I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll we'll watch. I think you know who the big winner is in all of this whatsoever, and I don't think anybody's hit on it. So this is going to be a, you heard it here first. The big winner, C-SPAN. C-SPAN is the big winner. Ratings for C-SPAN have been through the roof wow. since Kevin McCarthy took speakership back uh, nine months ago, ten months ago. Been through the roof watching. So- all the special, like people are now, people now just discovered C-SPAN existed. The, the, and am I hearing you right that that Representative Gates and C-SPAN are are conspiring together to are. boost their ratings? I hundred percent. I bet you he's a part owner of C-SPAN. <laughs> I bet you because legitimately, I had. Uh, so we deal with a lot of younger people in our church congregation, and I had a younger twenty-two-year-old. Uh, guy that i that i'm mentoring right now for for a few reasons he was so excited to tell me about this station that had wall-to-wall coverage of the speaker vote and i was like <laughs> i mean all the stations do it. and he goes no, no 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 this is unbiased chris unbiased and i'm all all right like hit me and he's like it's a thing called suspawn and i'm like <laughs> i'm all it's c-span and it's been around since like the 70s and he's like I just I turned it on one day and all it was was just a live feed of the House of Representatives. I felt so informed. And I'm all like, well, first off, you're not informed. You're watching the House of Representatives. There's there's no there's no formal in- information there. But he was like over the moon with it. And that's it, it clicked for me, man. C-SPAN is the big winner. The Interesting. Big winner in that does make this. sense. All of I, this. I'm going to watch C-SPAN now to see Mike yeah. Johnson there um, right, do his thing buddy. as a speaker. Right. I mean, it's it's insane. Right. All you have to do is now listen to Sunday Baroque on your local PBS station and you're good to go. There you go. Well, yeah. So I do believe I I hope that Nikki Haley gets the nomination here uh, for the presidency this year. Uh, She's going to win. She's going to serve eight years in the White House. So that brings us up to 2032. And it's going to be uh, Mike Johnson versus. Uh, who's that f- the guy from Florida who, who's the governor? Oh, yeah, that's right. Ronald DeSantis um, will probably then be the, the ticket he's, in. He's going down, man. He he's is. Just, he's not he's, near as sexy as, as Haley. I know that sounds really bad how I just said that, but I'm just saying Nikki not, Haley yeah, is intrigued. gonna be she's she's intriguing. Um she's intriguing. she's very galvanizing galvanizing is even the wrong word, right? I mean, I'm excited just listening Uniting. to her talk. She unites the Republican yes. Party in a way that I, I, and I think I've said it here before, but a Nikki Healy, Tim Scott ticket is going to be very difficult for the Democrats to beat. That would be a great Incredibly ticket. difficult for the Democrats to beat. Would Ron DeSantis take the VP role uh, if no. Nikki Haley? No. Ron DeSantis could not be second fiddle to anyone, let alone a woman that he doesn't respect. There you go. Well, I am I am definitely a Nikki Haley supporter. I have been for several years, and uh, uh-huh. she's rising in the polls. And I do think that when this Trump stuff plays out, people are then going to sit back and realize, okay, Trump, we get your legal argument, but you still lied, blatantly yeah. lied. We don't want that anymore. Just we don't want that rhetoric. And right. and uh, and so we have a much better option over here with Nikki Haley. And so. Uh-huh. Um, I'm hoping that's the Hey, we are running out of time. Not quite running out of time, but I want to get to a a couple other topics here. One other topic, the Supreme Court was in action this week on the whole censorship of social media. And if you remember uh, from way back when, the Biden administration put some pressure on social media companies 
to censor content that it didn't like. Well, the content that they censored was like really good content that should not have been censored. So they kind of made us think, well, why was the, the Biden administration putting this pressure on social media anyways? I mean, that seems like it's a free speech violation. Well, it was Biden doing this not as a president because he did it before he was president. He was a private citizen and the rule came out under Trump that you couldn't do it because they were trying to stop misinformation about COVID. And the, so the uh, Supreme Court said, no, 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 the government can't come in here and tell you what you can and can speak about and, COVID. And as we mentioned in earlier podcasts, my take on this was, I do believe that this is a very sticky, thorny issue. Oh, it is. I, Absolutely. Because the issue, one issue is, is this really public forum? Because the First yeah. Amendment just prohibits, you know, the government from infringing on, on speech. But if this is private speech, this isn't a public forum. Well, private actors can do whatever they want. If a private yeah. actor wants to work with the government and how they deliver their message, that's not a free speech violation. But we live in a different time and era. Should social media sites like Facebook, like Twitter, like X, whatever. whatever Are we now is. past the point of uh, nope, X, formerly known as Twitter? No. Okay. Nope, still Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Um, should those places be viewed as traditional public fora, such that the government should not be restricting speech uh, on these sites? Right. Or is it just simply a private company? That's an it's open a question. It's a fascinating a question yeah. that I think uh, the Supreme Court is going to have to take a look at. And so the Supreme Court agreed to take up that case this next term. So um, I will be watching that case. Well, and I also think it's hard with places like Twitter, which now require you to pay if you want your blue check. So now the government is funding Twitter because it pays for all of the blue checks for all of the Congress members and the POTUS account and all that jazz. Since it's government funded now, does that like do is there rules that have to go into place for that? It's so that's convoluted. not government funded. That's just it government is. purchased uh, access. That's like but, saying but McDonald's still, is government purchased because Trump likes eating cheeseburger. No, I, I disagree respectfully, because if we're going to classify this as a public forum, right, and not a private company and the government is now is now purchasing a service from that what's the rfp process because if i want to get a, if i want the government to purchase my service i have to do an rfp and what's the competition are you going to give the preference to veteran-owned businesses or veteran-owned social media sites like there there's a lot here I, and you're right this is why it's so sticky there is such a lot here to unpack that if this is considered a public forum and the government doesn't have a right to censor it, but the government pays for it like a school, right? Not all funding for schools come from the government, but there's still rules. Not what are good. the, what are the job rules? What are the anti-discrimination rules? What are the 14th amendment issues? Like there's a lot to dive into that, that we, as I think everyday Americans just don't think about. Yeah, this is a very sticky issue. So the Supreme Court has agreed to pick up that issue this next right. term. So we will definitely be following that case. That could be an earth-shattering case, a precedent-setting case when it comes right. to free speech and social media. All right, right, Chris, it's now time for us to do what we prefer doing all along, and that is <laughs> let's talk some sports. Let's do some courtroom quarterbacks. All right, so Chris, let's start off here with the fact my take is that this is one of the best times of the year. Now, 
I do know that I say that quite a bit, but mm-hmm. when it comes to a sports um, user uh, perspective, uh, this you, you, it's hard to get better than this. Let's just unpack what's going on this very moment. The NFL is in the middle of its campaign this season. You yep. got the playoff push coming up. MVP yeah. candidates are coming into focus. Uh, you have college football, also the same thing. This is the middle of the season. You can't yep. get a better time for college football than right now, where you have so many teams still in the hunt. The yep. NBA kicked off yesterday, and so yeah. you got a lot of intrigue about the NBA, and you got the Greek freak. Uh, you have, is this LeBron James Joker. last year? Yep. The World Series is going on. Baseball is going on. And so you can't get better than the World Series when it comes to watching baseball. And I believe hockey has also been in the news. So, Chris, this is like – and even women's volleyball. I say women's volleyball. Chris, I actually watched a match this last week between number one Wisconsin Badgers versus the number two Nebraska Cornhuskers. And do you know who is no longer number one? Wisconsin Badgers. Exactly. My Cornhuskers beat Wisconsin is. in a fifth set. Fifth Anytime. and deciding set, as my son Love would it. say. But, Dad, you slept through that fifth set, and you felt, hey, hey, you know hey. what? I was you that confident. I was that that confident in the result. But, hey, I still watched basically almost all five sets of that match. And, it, hey, Nebraska is now number one. So, there you go. Chris, can you get a better time for sports than right now? No, you really can't. You, you really, it's like, it's the cross section of everything. That's great. We were at last night, right? We were watching the diamondbacks take on the Phillies in game seven on one TV. We had Phoenix suns versus the golden state warriors on a different TV. And we're like trying to be like, okay, 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 okay. Like a tennis match in my house. Needless to say, we did ignore the sun's game for probably the first half because well the, Diamond, the diamondbacks game was heating up pretty well, but we were also like switching between the sun's game and the Lakers and the Nuggets and watching the Lakers get slammed, which was beautiful. Um, and then, you know, it just it's a great it's a great time all the way around if you just enjoy competitive sports. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions, uh, since you are there in the Phoenix area. Yeah. And I, I know um you are a Golden State fan as well. Mm-hmm. What were the the forty? What were the um, what were the Warriors thinking in getting Chris Paul? Could they got Chris Paul from your Phoenix Suns? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand what don't Chris know. Paul adds to the Golden State Warriors. He, nothing, nothing. And we lost this this off season and this season. I felt like the two teams that I'm most invested in decided to mortgage a little bit of their future for maybe a ring this season, right? Um, I felt the Suns mortgaged way too much to get KD, who's injury prone and all that jazz. And then the Warriors gave up a couple of young bucks that would have been really good to be mentored under Steph Curry so they could get CP3. The Warriors didn't need Chris Paul. We already have a no. bunch of rings. We're already there. There's already a discussion of the Steph Curry dynasty. There's An already aging been- point guard who can shoot threes. Well, why do you need that? Because right. Like does Steph need a, like a, a mini me. Like, what? What do you? What do you think? Are we just? Are we a charity now? Are we just bringing on Chris Paul so he can get a ring before he retires? I don't know. Maybe by the end know. of the year they can move Chris Paul into the second unit, so he's not a starter if his ego will allow for that. But I, I don't understand. Send him yeah. down to the G League. I do not understand that, but uh, I, I'm I'm a huge Denver Nuggets fan now. I love, I love watching. It, yeah. Joker's uh, great. 
Yes. Uh, Murray and then, of course, Christian Braun from KU is, is playing mm-hmm. there. Uh, so the NBA is is kicked off. A lot of intriguing storylines this upcoming yep. year. Um, Be fun to watch. All right. Well, why don't we just jump into our, our picks? We can talk about this uh, this week's games. I, I do know that last week, my Kansas City Chiefs are really starting to show how dominant they are. They had a great performance last week. They dominated. Um, uh, who, who did they even play last week? The Chargers. Chargers, yeah. Like, Chargers aren't doing great. Really? Chargers. <laughs> I am sure they had this conversation there in uh, at, at uh, Arrowhead at halftime in the Chargers locker room. They probably were asking themselves, hey, who, who is this number 87 guy? He's pretty good for Kansas City. Like, they... I think the Travis last seven years. I think Travis Kelsey had like a hundred and thirty yards by halftime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it was Patrick Mahomes. Is, what he? This was his fifth or sixth game where he's done over four hundred yards passing, and that makes him like number like the third all time passing uh, to have over four hundred yard games at six or five or six games. Like he's but, catching up to Dan Marino and and uh, um, uh, Peyton Manning. Would it be considered unethical for Taylor Swift to date a couple of our other receivers as well? <laughs> I don't know. They're not married. Bro, Come on. Bro. Look, look, man. I, I told you in the first week of the Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey affair, if they break up, the city of Kansas City will not be able to recover from her album that she makes dogging Travis Kelsey. Like, it... Mm. No, Travis Kelsey, he's mm. doing all the right stuff right now. He really is. Uh, he's and a, so, well, he's a good boy, man. Look at the way he treats his mama. Exactly. You could you could tell a lot by a man by the way he treats his mother. Yes. And the Kelsey brothers, man, they are good boys. Both of them. It's, it's, it really is a good, good story. But that being said, uh, there is no way that the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift um, duo is going to break up. Before the Super Bowl, she's too good of a marketer for that. That would be stupid on her part. And so she won't see this through to the end of the playoffs. And then whatever happens, happens. Look, I hope they ride off to the sunset happy together, right? I'm out here rooting for people to be happy. I'm not out here rooting for people to get divorced or have, I'm not looking for another Jada Pinkett Smith thing. Like I'm, I'm, this is not even possible. They cannot be happy. happy. I I don't see this happy. No, it's not for you to see, de- Joel. It's doomed. The heart wants what the heart wants, Joel. It's doomed. Let me tell you why. No. Travis Kelsey is a playboy. Now he's a good nope. playboy, I guess, but he he's uh, he's out there, right? Reform. And and so Taylor Swift is going to be clear across the globe nope. more often than not nope. on her tours. There, nope. There's no stopping that. That's that's who nope. she's going to be. Nope. The rumor mill of, oh, did nope. you hear what, what Travis was doing? Did you hear what, what nope. he did? Nope. It, it, it's going to be too much for that relationship. Hey, I, I I, this is a sports podcast, but I, I am know. now doing Taylor Swift relationship <laughs> commentary. We really are. Man, how the mighty have fallen. All right. Well, hey, the Chiefs were dominant okay. last week. And so uh, they covered the spread. You were two and four last week. You are, Chris, 17, 17 and one, which means... Yeah, you're you're, you're not. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, I am nineteen to twenty and two. I'm under five hundred. I am beneath you in the standings, and so hopefully this will be my week to catch up. Why don't you go ahead and go with your picks first? Because I got to whittle mine down. I have about fifteen picks here. I can't wow. pick all of them. I'm picking a lot of underdogs this week, and I don't know why. I got the Vikings plus one over the Packers. I felt the Vikings had a pretty good showing against the Niners. I believe that was one of my victories where I, I chose the Vikings over the Niners because yes. I wasn't there for that. But the Vikings are 
you know, one of the things I've noticed and been picking up as I looked at the Vikings this past week, they blitz about 60% of the time that hustles the quarterback, the Packers with John Love there. It's just not there. Like, I, I, think if I they don't keep that defensive pressure on. They're going to take that. Chris, I don't understand this, this point spread here. So you right. got plus one, which means the Vikings were actually were the underdog. By the time right. I picked it, it was even up, but still it is moving, but still, right. um, I, I like this game as well. The Vikings have a good quarterback. Cousins is a good quarterback. He yeah. was dialed in, I guess yeah. is the last week against San Fran. I mean, he was dominant. I guess is the thought he can't have two dominant performances in a row. And so I he's going to no fail cold. back. I mean, this was essentially even even money last night when I sent you my picks was about uh, midway through the Diamondbacks game, so the odds could have changed, you know. Hey, but you, you get them when you pick them. Like even money against the Packers and the Vikings, no, like there's just it's just not there for me. The the Packers aren't performing in a in a spot. The Vikings are going this direction, which we saw the same thing last year, right? Vikings started out slow and they built momentum. So yes. I think at the end of the day, like. We're midway through the season. Kirk Cousins is getting his arm. He's feeling good. He's he's doing the bull dance. He's loving life. And give me that, one point. One that's point the other thing. The I believe their record is like three and four. And so yeah. they are not through the, the woods yet. They started off right. very slow this year. And so they need to pick back. They need to go on a run here just to get back right. to even. They well, are not the going to take this week as the week to just you know not be focused. I, I think the, yeah. everything is there for the Vikings to be uber focused this week. Is there something right. about the Packers Vikings rivalry, which always goes one way. And that's why the betters are thinking the, the Packers can, can win this game. It went one way when you had 13 years of Aaron Rodgers. Look, <laughs> yeah. Like, look, Aaron Rodgers is a, a regular season MVP and a playoff dud to quote the great Joel. That's right. Right. So I'm no, I'm taking Vikings plus one over the Packers. All right. I got that one as well. Um, I think this is the Panthers week. Panthers are still defeated in the NFL. They are at 0 and 6. Um I think this is their week. Chris, Three I have to agree with you Texans. and that's that's why I am going with Texans uh in that are game you? because I saw that pick and I'm thinking why is this only a 3 point spread? Cuz 3 points basically means it's even up. I mean, one right. team's yeah, going to yeah. win by a field goal, which is how right. most of these games are are decided. And so the Panthers haven't won yet. The Texans have a good rookie quarterback. I guess is that the thought that the rookie it's, quarterback might yeah, lay an egg great. this week? I don't know if it's lay I you know, well he was out last week. He was injured or he was on the bye week last week. And so maybe, I don't know, coming back from a bye week against a defeated team, you would think you would get more than three points. All right. Well, I'm taking the Texans. You are taking the Panthers. Yep. Uh, Chiefs, negative eight over the Broncos. We don't need to explain that. (laughs) I do agree with that one. It's a huge, huge spread. I think the Chiefs are on a roll here. Now, I will say, I want to point out that the Broncos have a defensive uh, player uh, whose Mm -hmm. name escapes me right now, but he was recently... Um, flagged for the fourth time for injuring, for targeting yeah, a targeting. defenseless receiver. Right. Chris, I think this is an issue that the NFL has got to take up and, and come to the terms with because right. what happened in those games? He was flagged 15 yards, whatever. Right. But he's taking out the other team's receivers. Right. If it's all you dangerous. get is a 15-yard penalty, even if you get thrown Worth out it. for the rest of the game, Worth but it. you took out Travis Kelsey or you took worth out it. Patrick Mahomes, worth it. it's worth it for your team. So the NFL came in and they they suspended this guy four games for what he okay. did. 
They then just the other day rescinded it to yep. two games. I don't like the message of rescinding it to two games. They yep. should have left it to four and sent a very strong message of you need to learn how to tackle without using your head as a weapon. We don't want that in our game. Right. And you need to set that example to every other player in the league. Yes. Right. You're training other players to go, hmm, I'm a subpar defensive end. I'm making 330 the league minimum. But if I take out Patrick Mahomes, yes, I'm going to be a hero. So think about what precedent was just set by the NFL this week. The NFL just set the precedent. If you four times duck your head and target a receiver to take him out. Right. Two games. It's only two games. Two games. That's it. And if you are the 0-6 Carolina Panthers, hey, minus or one. Or if you're a rivalry game and it's the Broncos oh, playing yeah. the Chiefs, why yep. not take out the head of your rival and get knock them out of the, the playoffs? Right. I, 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 that's going to happen at some point in time. And I'm, I do not like the message the NFL sent this week. Now, it doesn't matter to my Chiefs because this will be the last time we play the Broncos this year and he won't be playing. Right. I just wanted it not to be... You know, less than anybody one else. game. But anybody else, right? I, I don't want people to get hurt. I want to see good hits. I want to see good plays. I want to see good touchdowns. I don't want to see people get hurt. I'm not here to watch people, like, lose their careers, right? That's right. not what we're here for. We're here for good sportsmanlike conduct. All right, so we are both in agreement. The Chiefs minus eight over the Broncos. The Lions 8.5 over the Raiders. Okay, interesting one. I mean, that's a quite a spread after the Lions laid a goose egg against Baltimore, but um, it's the Raiders. I guess the thought is they're mad. They're ticked off. Oh, they yeah. will rebound, and the Raiders, oh, yeah. as you right. pointed out, stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here's a controversial pick. Uh, the Bears, plus eight and a half over the Chargers. Wow. Justin Fields is still questionable for the game. As of this morning, he's still questionable. He may not go in. And we saw last week with Justin Fields not being there, right? The Bears lit it up. They're a better team. They, they need to right. go with the backup quarterback and just bench Fields. You should have cut Fields anyways. He's not right. your answer. And so right. if he's injured, you need to just use it as an opportunity to see how good your team can play without Justin Fields. Hey, I'm speaking to you, coaching staff of the Bears. Your job depends on it here. Yeah. You need to see how good your team is without Justin Fields or you will lose your job. Right. They have him as doubtful currently. So this morning we are recording at Wednesday morning at 6.54 PST. Um, he's still doubtful. So who knows? Who knows how the rest of the week is going to shake out? I like that pick. Uh, I'm a big fan of that one. And then lastly, I'm taking the Browns plus three over the Seahawks. Okay. Why? Because the Seahawks embarrassed me last week and I'm not over that yet. And so I'm going to go ahead and take the Browns. You don't even know who's playing quarterback for the Browns. You're just going to take them. Just going to take them. Just gonna, I love you, Geno Smith, but you embarrassed me last week. There you go. Is it going to be Walker or is it going to be Watson for yeah. the Browns? No one knows. All right. My picks this week are going to be in quick fashion. I also like the Vikings over the Packers. I like the Saints over the Colts plus one. Um, you know, I, I think the Saints, hey. are, they have a more Even experienced money. quarterback. I think they will yeah. improve throughout the season. So I think the Saints will will figure that out here with, with uh, Carr. The Patriots. Yeah. Minus nine or plus nine and a half over the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins Ooh. were exposed last week. I really do. I think they were exposed wow. for this reason. 
they're a soft team. If you knock them in their mouth, they will flinch. Um, they, they are a, a finesse team that can't handle playing with the big boys. I saw a stat last week that prior to last week's game, their opponent's record was like four and 25. They are not playing the big boys here. So no. Bill Belichick knows how to play dirty and he is supposed to be a defensive guru. I think the Patriots are going to smash the dolphins in the mouth this week. And so that's why I think they can cover that nine and a half point spread. Steelers plus two and a half over Jacksonville. Okay. I Let's just, see what I, Mike Tomlin's got. I, yeah, I, I think the Steelers, they have a good record right now. They, they got things rolling, and they're an underdog yeah. versus Jacksonville. I got to take the Steelers plus the, the two and a half. Uh, it's the, weird to me that the Steelers are the underdogs against Jacksonville. But here we are, 2023, baby. Yes. All right. Um, uh, I got Bengals plus five and a half over San Fran. I have no idea what that spread is all about. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm avoiding San Francisco right now. Yeah. So my, my two picks of the week that I want to, these are going to be my, my favorite picks here. So I, all the previous picks I just said, I don't really feel good about. I wouldn't even put my own money on those. I just make them because we got to make them. But these last two, I feel good about. So I almost, I almost should like double these, but here it is. You ready? Mm -hmm. Hey, you okay. is going to beat. OU. I did not stutter beat. I don't, yes, you are. I get 10 points in the spread. I don't even need them. Don't be stupid. I'm going to take them, but of course you're gonna take KU them. is going to be, OU straight up. Mark my words. Uh, OU is overrated. They're going to come in and to, to our mighty Memorial field house there in Allen or in, in Lawrence, Kansas. And we are going to do a thrashing on OU. I might even attend that game. My family is going to be in town from Oklahoma. Okay. And so I might even go watch that game just so I can rub it in their faces when KU takes down those traitorous Sooners. All right. I'm in right. for this. Nebraska. Okay. Minus two and a half over Purdue. Nebraska, once again, is the mighty favorite. We destroyed last, I say destroyed last week, the mighty Northwestern Wildcats. I know, Northwest. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you how many national championships they have won. But Nebraska beat down Northwestern. It was that's, a wonderful game. That's how far we've fallen. When we take glee over beating Northwestern. <laughs> In the days <laughs> gone by, we wouldn't even send our second stringers to win that game. Yeah. But no, now we're taking glee over. Yeah, we beat Northwestern. Well, we're going to continue that dominance because here's why, Chris. We finally have a good coach at Nebraska. I am going to suggest that Matt Rule, who is our coach at Nebraska, might be, this is this this, this is going to border on blasphemous, the best coach in Nebraska's history. That's and they say I'm guilty of overstep of bold move but i like it i like i like the boldness he Buck is favors the bold be bold Joel. exactly be bold. he in one year has come to nebraska our team was in total disarray scott frost you should be banned from the state of nebraska for the rest of your life for what you did over the last five years at nebraska but Matt Rule took that team and within less than one season turned them in to a fourth quarter juggernaut this team gets better every single quarter and when you see that in your team that's a well-coached team that is a team that gets it that plays for each other that that builds up momentum they're fighting all game long and they somehow find a way to find another gear when the game matters most and so nebraska's season hangs on the line here i know this is just our first year 
Matt Rule's already done a good job. We need this win against Purdue. If we have any shot of making a bowl game, we got to beat Purdue. And so sure. I think uh, it's only two and a half point spread. Take I think it. Nebraska is good for it. Take it and run. You All got right. this. My last pick here, which I don't feel good about, but I'm just going to throw it out there and maybe you can talk me into it or out of it. Utah plus six and a half over Oregon. Aren't you a Utah person? I feel like we could just end the podcast at that point. (laughs) How dare you call me a Utah? I am not a Utah person. Oh, my goodness. My wife did go to BYU for both her master's and her undergrad, so she's a BYU person. Okay. Me? No, I've never. I'm not a motherland type guy. But I did enjoy Utah beating SC. Everybody should enjoy Utah beating SC. Everybody should enjoy when SC loses. That's I mean that should be the tagline of the podcast. Yes. We all enjoy when SC loses. Um but mm, Oregon? Mm. I am feeling bad because I picked Oregon a couple of weeks ago and I was made to look really, really foolish. And so now I guess I'm overreacting to that. And so I am taking it'll be, Utah. It'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see, but I don't think you're going to win that one. I don't feel strong about that pick at all. No, no, but no. I do feel strong about my Nebraska and KU picks. Yeah, all right. Absolutely. There we go. Hey, Chris, have a great week this week. And uh, go watch every sport that you care to watch. Get Buy multiple TVs. Put them all up yep. there. And uh, I'll, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri- Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.